Thank you for your time. This is the Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind podcast with Corey Shapiro. Let's get into the quote. It's by Wayne Dyer. He's a self or was a self-help author. I suggest you check out his books and recordings, especially his recordings on Audible. Good stuff. This is a quote from him. It is, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So right now, at least in my area, Jaws is having its 40th reissue. I love movies and I check out movies when I can. And they're going to do it on IMAX. And I looked into to Jaws in the background. And this quote made me think about what happened to Spielberg during this production. Now, he's 26 years old. And the filming was scheduled for 55 days. So he's a young guy. He's not proven yet. He has some promise. Not proven. Can't throw around weight. And he was, uh, I think, 100 days over the shoot. 100 days over the shoot. So scheduled for, for again, I think it was like 55 days, hundred over 100 days over shoot. I mean, could you imagine the pressure put on by the studio for him to get this done? Here's Spielberg's take on what he was feeling during that time. He says, I thought my career as a filmmaker was over. I heard rumors that I would never work again because no one had ever taken a film 100 days over schedule. Yeah, but let's look at it a different way, as Mr. Dyer tells us. Well, maybe no one has ever done that because no one is ever going to create a masterpiece like Jaws. And how is this? 40 years later, it's making money. Hollywood's not producing movies. His two movies that were reissued this year, I think Jaws and E.T., are probably one of the two best movies except for Tom Cruise that came out in the theaters recently. So sometimes things don't go your way, but maybe we can look at it a different way and there could be a reason in a long-term situation, like producing a masterpiece, like getting what you want and need in your divorce to move on. All right, so let's move to divorce news. I'm back to FT, Financial Times. This comes from November 7, 2020. So we're going to go a little bit back in time. And it's a about this uh, divorce lawyer, Fiona Shackleton. She's a divorce lawyer, a celebrity divorce lawyer, uh, a baroness in the UK. And you may have heard of her. She represented Prince Charles in his 1996 divorce. Also, famously, Heather Mills, that was the former spouse of Paul McCartney. Uh, she poured water on this divorce attorney's head in court. This this attorney came out of court with the wet hair. And I know she appreciates how she looks and dresses. So I'm sure this was not a good day for her with the media. So here are some takes. And if you're not familiar with this lunch with FT, I think it's a really nice, uh, I guess, regular uh, occurrence they do. And they just sit down with notable people, almost like a conversation, but in written form. It's kind of funny eating lunch, then they comment on what they order, what they don't order, what they eat, how little, how much, if they drink, if they don't drink, you know, that type of humor, but they also get into it. And these are some gems from Baroness Shackleton. Okay, on what makes a good lawyer? On what makes a good lawyer? And she says, well, 
Oh, actually, she didn't say this. It was a journalist saying that she's adept at getting her way. She noticed that she got the right table. She just adept at getting her way. And I think, I think you're going to see that with anyone who's a really good lawyer. They're just persuasive. Uh, you see a pattern and what the next move will be. I think that's helpful. You have to read what's going on. That's in any, you know, anyone at the highest levels of their profession, they know what's going on. They are t- anticipating. Uh, she said she doesn't need to fee grind. That's, that's another thing. So many divorce lawyers, we build by the hour, we've been talking about this over and over again. It's just wasting time, wasting energy. And she's like, we don't need to fee grind. You know, there's enough there. It's an abundance mentality. And that's how I think everyone should practice. Unfortunately, you know, the rent has to be paid at the end of the month. So there's a, there's a business aspect of this. But on the other hand, you don't only have to do divorce if you just have to rack up bills. Maybe you can do other things if you can't make a living doing just divorce. That's my little rant on fee grinders. And then she said, her brain is different to other people. I see things that they don't see and don't see things they do. I think that's so accurate. This field is very different than other fields of law. It's very emotional based. Um, We're dealing with people. We're dealing with problems that are not really set up for the court. We're dealing with judges, especially wise judges and experienced judges who know that. And it's sort of all a game to help people move through problems that they should be resolving themselves. And a lot of the wiser judges do such creative things to get people to go. For example, I'm in the courtroom. Someone's not paying support. You know, typical guy who's just, you know, not, you know, not changing his mind. And I literally see the judge and, and the judge doesn't have to do this. And I'm sure the, the court attorney could do this and they could do this in the back, but it's all for show. It's all theater. The judge gets on the phone and makes a note to look at the guy who's in the courtroom. And he says to, I guess, the officers, you know, bring up the officers. And he's just looking at the guy, you know, saying, basically, if you don't pay what you're supposed to pay, you're going to jail. And... What happened was the guy comes in, the officer comes in, and as the officer comes in, the guy pays. That's a wise judge. That's giving the guy rope. Now, it doesn't always work, but that's what we're talking about. So that's what you're going to see from really experienced, really smart divorce attorneys. So let's move on to what she talks about uh, with men and women. She gives some dating and marriage advice. Here's what she says. And this might not be PC, but this is what she says. And I think there's a lot of accuracy to this, at least in the dating market as it's perceived, especially in media. She says, women are like leaseholds. And I guess that means women's desirability are like leaseholds, which are depreciating assets. Men are like freeholds. They appreciate I think that's the way it seems how all these reality TV shows you know, I haven't seen any reality TV show with uh, older women. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. It's all about younger women. All right. And then, but then here's her, her final uh, piece of advice on relationships. She says, bottom line, so after all this song and dance, bottom line, kindness means everything. And she's been married a long time. So she knows the, she knows the score. She knows the score. So that's it. And I actually, I haven't, if I have divorces where people... Uh, say that their their spouse is kind, those are usually resolved pretty quickly. Those are usually resolved pretty quickly. I haven't gone to war with anyone who I thought there, there was a kindness issue, uh, unless you're dealing with someone who's, you know, under real, I guess, substance abuse or some type of stress like that. Her take on divorce. She says, reach settlement rather than fight unnecessarily. 
reach settlement rather than fight unnecessarily. I say that all the time. Here's a, a great phrase. She says it's either quick torture or slow torture, meaning, you know, pay now or pay later. And she says, ask yourself, do you hate your spouse more than you love your child? Children are tortured for quite a short time. Play the long game, be accommodating, love your child. And then in typical wise fashion, she says, it will be okay. On judges, she says courts, at least in the UK, are fair. I think also in New York, they're fair. And a lot of places here in the US are fair. You can't buy judges, maybe like in other countries. Most take huge pay cuts, especially here in New York. It's ridiculous. And they should be more appreciative. You know, we who appear before them should be more appreciative. And I think that's accurate. Very accurate. So thank you, Baroness Shackleton, for this great advice. Check it out at the FT, Lunch with FT. This is November 7th. You can Google it and read the article yourself if interested. And I will leave the uh, uh, the link in the show notes. But I think FT's under a paywall. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I think if you do it through your mobile phone, it's not. But if you do it through your computer, you know, your uh, it, it is. That's what I've noticed. So I'm not exactly sure, but hopefully you can read this article. Maybe they give you one free article a month or something like that. All right, moving to question with Corey. Question, what is discovery? Well, discovery is a process where each spouse provides detailed information. It could be financial discovery, where you're providing information about your assets or lack thereof, your debt, your income. Uh, it also can be discovery about you know, uh, if you have custody issues, but that discovery is a little bit more formalized by the court about your mental health. So let's get into it a little bit, at least here in New York and in other places, we have something called a statement of net worth. Maybe it's called something different in your jurisdiction, a financial affidavit, a financial statement, but it all starts with that. It's a, it's a document where you list your expenses, you list your income, you list all your assets, your debts, and you have to attach your tax return for last year. Uh, you got to put your account numbers. You got to put that account that you forgot that you had as a child. You got to put your crypto on there. You got to put everything you have and don't have on there. Uh, even your debts, your credit card debts. You know, if you pay off your debts each month, you know that's not what the court's talking about. That is, if you carry a balance on your debts, you got to put that student loan debt. Uh, if you haven't finished that already, uh, put your mortgage down there. Everything you can think of. And the reason you have to take so much time doing this is because I tell my clients all the time, the only thing you have with the court is your credibility. And if you omit assets, if you omit debts, even if it's not that large, it's just an omission, it might be enough for the court not to trust you, especially depending on how the other side plays it. Then you move into what we call, after you exchange those documents, you move into mandatory dis disclosure if you're going to court at least here in New York, other places they probably have similar, where you have to produce your last three years of your you know, bank statements, your investment statements, your retirement statements, your income tax returns, your W-2s, your 1099s, your K-1s, all these different income forms from the, you know, that we have to report to the government, and your credit cards. So you have to do this mandatory disclosure, basically saying, here's, like, here's what it is. I swore this is my financial picture, and here's my backup if I'm lying they should confirm I'm not lying. I'm telling all the truth. If that's not enough. That's not enough. You'd still have a process of doing either informal or formal discovery. Informal discovery is you just send an email, a letter to the other side, gave me these documents. I want a little bit more. If they're just giving you a hard time, you send a, a formal notice. And then you could ask for certain things. Uh, 
a lot of times what I've noticed is that, you know, they don't necessarily respond to these to these documents in a timely way. So you might have to send what's called a default letter or uh, ask the court for them to produce it and then they will order it. But initially it just starts off with an attorney notice. You can also subpoena. You can, you know, send subpoenas with your lawyer to, you know, banks and uh, credit card companies. Uh, maybe you can get, you can get telephone records if that's important and relevant in your case. Uh, then you get into a little bit more involved. You can do depositions where you sit down, you know, ask questions with a, a, a reporter. Where you know, it's basically testimony, and you can videotape these depositions. And you've probably seen them on, on, on in movies and stuff. It's, it's it's very it's almost like a trial in a sense. It's a mini trial these depositions because if you're doing a good job, you should be really focused at these depositions to get information. But if you're at that point, you're in a real uh, hopeful. I mean, that's a real contentious case, and I hope your case could settle. But if you're going the distance, you definitely need those depositions. Uh, and then you can have experts. Experts generally, you know, value in assets. And here in New York, we have some strange laws about um, child discovery issues. So the court appoints a forensic, some type of a mental health professional to do an evaluation of the parties. So that's your uh, discovery or disclosure. Uh, and just one tidbit, this is a big change from mediation. In mediation, if you're not in court, you can't force the other side to produce documents or information or disclosure. Uh, I always tell people, you know, try diplomacy, try mediation, try negotiation. But if you don't have those documents, you don't know the financial picture, then you might be forced to go to court to require the other side to produce it. All right, quick announcements. You could submit questions for the podcast at ask.gettingdivorced.org. I think we might have said www.ask. I actually checked it out. For some reason, it's just ask.gettingdivorced.org. You can also send back, uh, send us feedback to the podcast at feedback at gettingdivorce.org. My positive perspective uh, is just carrying on being like Spielberg from the beginning, from the from the quote. You know, he think he thought he was never going to work again. His fears were taken over. He was a hundred days over budget, and that turned into a masterpiece. Good things can happen though if you pass through your limits. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be tough. What I've seen is that a lot of people are grieving. They might not even be aware of this, and it comes out in different ways. So they might get sick. They might be procrastinating. It's just so overwhelming in the beginning. So get the help you need to grieve, hopefully with a professional who uh, has a lot of experience in this. This is tough. This is life changes. This is a major transition in your life. And it could take, I think, up to two years, if not more, to grieve. So it's very hard in the beginning, if you're the one who doesn't want the divorce, to you know go through all of this. You know, what do you mean go through all this? I, I want to just stay married, or I just don't want to deal with this. This is surreal. How's my life falling apart? And that's what, unfortunately, you have to do, because if you go to court, the judge doesn't care. Everyone's in your situation, and you need to move forward. Um, All right. So in closing, remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult with your attorney before acting on any of the information contained in the podcast. Until next time, be creative, not reactive. Thank you.